Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number, 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat. Paul Dottino battles the microphone. While he <laughs> does that, I want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Happy Friday. I'm glad to be on this week. My first show of the week because of the Monday night game. It's a oh, short yeah. week, so I'm happy to be here. Um, we'll take your calls, of course, at 201-939-4513. We'll keep an eye on Twitter as well, at hashtag GiantsChat. Uh, Paul, we're getting ready for the Giants and Bucks, and I'll give my brief take on the game. Uh, you'll see my four-page preview up uh, later on today or tomorrow about the game. It's up already. Thank you, Brandon. Um, we're really an exhaustive tape study on what the Bucks want to do. But to me, this game's simple, Paul. The Bucks have one of the most explosive pass offenses in the league. They had 500 yards last week. They only scored three points. The reason they only scored three points was simple. They gave the ball away. How do you force the Bucs to give the ball away? You got to put pressure on the quarterback. If the Giants cannot pressure the quarterback and get takeaways in this game, it's going to be very difficult for them to win because the Bucs are going to score points if you don't do those two things. And... The Bucks' offensive line is okay. It's certainly not great. I don't think it's terrible either. But the opportunity should be there with their downfield passing game. Fitzpatrick will hold the ball. Fitzpatrick will throw it in the traffic. Fitzpatrick will give your team a chance to make some plays. The question is, can the Giants take advantage of that? Yeah, when I talked to Alec Ogletree in the locker room and Olivier Vernon also, uh, you know, two of the key Giants defensive guys in the front seven, they both said that uh, Fitzpatrick, he will give it away in bunches, which we know. Uh, obviously, he does have uh, some interceptionitis on occasion. The Jets fans certainly know that. He has, I believe, um, eight picks and three fumbles so far this year, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and he's also been sacked 13 times. Yep. Uh, he is he is sackable. He is pickable, if you will. I'm going to create a new word. Um, and, and the thing that I asked Vernon was when Fitzpatrick, over his career— has had these bunches of interceptions. What is the thing you've noticed the most about them? Were they because he made poor decisions and forced it, which some quarterbacks are known to do? Or was it primarily because somebody got in his face and he tended to uh, to wilt under the heat? Vernon said it was definitely the latter. It was that he did not deal with pressure very well. I it agree. wasn't so much Fitzpatrick's decision-making it was that if guys got in his face, that's when he tended to throw the picks. So, bottom line for the Giants is you're going to have to get some, some pass rush. I'm with you on this. But what I do think is very interesting is that the Buccaneers also have the worst defense in terms of points allowed in the NFL. Oh, they're, they're, they're as bad as the Saints and the Falcons were when the Giants were getting ready for those two right. games. Right, and yet mm -hmm. the Giants did not score enough points to beat those teams. Bingo. But I think, Paul, do you agree? Minimum 27 in this game to win it? Oh, to win it? <sighs> I think you got to score 27 to be comfortable, right? Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I'd say at least 24 to have a chance to win. 27 increases your chances. 100% agree. You know? Um, 
because the Giants could win this game if Tampa Bay winds up turning the ball over three or four times, which they're capable of doing. Don't don't just say that that can't happen. 25 giveaways this year, folks. That's almost three yeah. per game. So you can't look at me and say I'm crazy. No. They could easily well, turn it over three you're times. You're crazy for different I reasons. I understand that. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not unlike them to do that. No, of course not. And if they turn it over three or four times, they may not score more than 24 points. Paul, they were 0 of 5 or 1 of 5 in the red zone last week, scoring points. Not touchdowns. <laughs> they were 0 for 4 scoring touchdowns. They were 1 for 5 yeah. scoring points. So, I mean, they were an absolute mess. They turned it over two or three times down there. They missed a couple of short field goals. Kicking has been a problem for this Bucks team for years. Something they haven't oh figured out goodness. yet. Of course, given they're playing the Giants, the guy will probably kick a 62-yard game winner the way things have gone the last two oh. years. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but, Paul, here's the thing. <laughs> and I think we've talked about the offense a lot. Uh, the Bucks offense, look, they have a lot of weapons. Uh, Deshaun Jackson is the speed. Mike Evans is the big, tall possession receiver. Right. O.J. Howard, if he was on another team, he would have 40 catches. Mm-hmm. That's how good he is. There's just so many other guys that he doesn't get the looks. You know, he is the second highest yards per catch on the team. Yeah, It's almost no. 16 for a tight end. So you got to cover him. Chris Godwin, their third receiver, is like 450 receiving yards. He's good. Humphreys is a pretty good slot guy. Cameron Brait, by the way, isn't a bad tight end either. No. They have weapons falling out of their ears. So it's going to be a challenge for this Giants defense to slow them down. And again, you got to get those takeaways. I agree. I think Fitzpatrick struggles with pressure. I also think he computes things and sees things so quickly that I think a lot of times he has too much faith in his accuracy in his arm to get the ball places where it shouldn't go. And there'll be a defender waiting there sometimes when he doesn't anticipate it. And I think almost he goes too quick for his own good sometimes. And he's not the most pinpoint passer. He doesn't have the best arm. So when he really tries to squeeze the ball, that turns into interceptions too. A lot of times he does that because of pressure, like you mentioned before. So on the other side, I think for the Giants' offense, it's pretty simple, Paul. If you can protect, and the Bucks pass rush, again, I wouldn't call it one of the best in the league. I wouldn't call it one of the worst in the league. It's okay. JPP's is what he is. We've seen him a million times. Mm-hmm. Gerald McCoy, in my opinion, is having a little bit of a down year. But yep. he's still really, really good. He's a good player. And then you got the Carl Nassibs of the world, the Vinnie Currys of the world. Uh, Vita Vey has been extremely quiet for a first-round pick for them. Um if you they're back seven, and I'm not sure what Levante David's status on the injury report doesn't today doesn't look like it. He's doubtful, and he's their only. Well, I'm, that's a right, big deal. I'll be honest. He's their only good linebacker. That's a big deal, and he's a very good player. He is a good player, no so, question. And he's their best player in their back seven. Yep, and it's not close. Yep. So if he's not there, they're playing two rookie cornerbacks and Carlton Davis out of Auburn, who we talked a lot about during our draft prep last year. Big guy, he likes to you know be physical. MJ Stewart is a rookie. He's their slot cornerback. And then Justin Evans, their free safety, is a second-year player. Brett Grimes is like 80 years old. He's the veteran back there. But otherwise, they're playing a ton of young guys. Jordan Whitehead, I think, is what, a third-year player? So they have a lot of young guys in that secondary, and they've given up a ton, a ton of big plays. I think after last week, Paul Pat Shermer said he thought the offensive line played the best game they had Mm -hmm. all year last week. Mm -hmm. I think... They did. I think that game has given the head coach enough confidence to call more plays to get the ball downfield, to let Eli hold it maybe that second longer on a seven-step drop or a five-step drop, 
to get the ball downfield. And I think they're going to be able to do it this week. I think this is going to be a high-scoring 30 points for each team, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to go a step further. I do think the Giants will take more deep shots, so I will agree with that concept, but I'm going to go a step further than you on this one. Giants had 17 runs, 15 passes in the first half last week. Their balance was just incredible. Even though they didn't get a ton of yards, they balanced it out very, very, very well. And How many that points was did a, they score in the first half? I'm doesn't matter. To okay. Doesn't matter. That's not, the, that's not the point. Okay. The point is this. The game ended up 60-40 ratio, uh, pass to run. Mm-hmm. But because they were 17-15 in favor of the run in the first half, right. that allowed them to keep the um, Niners defense a little bit on their heels. And that's the entire point of trying to have some balance in a game. So I'm going to go a step further than you and say not only will they take some more shots downfield, I also believe in the first half they're going to run the ball a heck of a lot more than what we've seen before. I think Barkley is going to have a mega, mega game. Their run defense hasn't been bad. That's, I think they're around 18th in the league in yards per play running the football. But that's not enough to intimidate you. Oh, no, no, no. Their run defense is far from intimidating. If they were, if they, if they were a top five run defense, I would say to you, okay, I might second guess myself. <clears throat> but after the way the line played last week and after the way that Shermer saw the, the effect of the, the 17 to 15 run pass mix in the first half of that game last week, I believe he is absolutely going to go. Remember, Barkley ran the ball 20 times for the game. Sure. Which was his season high. Mm-hmm. Okay. I bet you Barkley runs the ball almost 25 times, if not more, this game. And his combined yardage, this is going to be an over-under. Feel free to steal it if you wish. Uh, he, I believe I have a Barkley over-under in the pregame you, show, you, actually. You, I think you, I do. You really need to. And I'm going to tell you right now what my answer is going it's to gonna be. It's going to be over. <laughs> Bar- Barkley's <laughs> going to be over-under on total yards from scrimmage. He's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 175. Wow. Wow. It's a big number. It's a big number. It's a big number. I think, that, I think they're going to feed the beast. Now, the key to that is that you can't go down early. You know, you can't afford, while you're establishing the run, to punt it two of your first three or three of your four, first four drives because the Bucks can answer with touchdowns. And, and then all of a sudden, you can't be balanced anymore. So the defense has to allow you to play that well, way. Well, you have to stay within 10 points in of the course. first half. Right, exactly. If you're within 10 points in the first half, you can do that. Sure. If you're down by two full scores, now you play catcher. <clears throat> and now it's a problem. But I'm, I'm, and when I say Barkley 175 total, I'm talking pass and run because I think he's going to run for over 100. And I also think he's going to catch a couple of downfield wheel routes, and that's going to help him too. He's going to go over 175 in this game. Do you think the offensive line ran block, run blocked, or pass blocked better last week? They were better pass blocking than run blocking. I agree. I'm with you. That's why I asked you the question. But, but having said that, okay, again, as, as Barkley no doubt told you, and John, a little preview here, he's got Barkley on the pregame on the radio this week. So Excellent listen. interview. Um, as he and Shermer both said this week, and they've said this before, but they were emphatic about it this week, and I think because they realized how important those run plays were. It's not about the yardage that you get. It's about how you're setting up the defense for what you want to do later in the game. That's what those run plays are. They're purpose runs. They're not yardage runs, John. They're purpose runs. I love the 17-15 mix in the first half last week. I just thought that was, that was really a refreshing to see. And by the way... Don't you remember how many times did we tell people during the offseason that when Shermer was in Minnesota last week, 
that they had the second highest one percentage yeah. of any team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. What was it, 44%? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, finally, 41% run, run percentage last week in that game against San Francisco. I think that's what Shermer really wants to be able to do and hasn't been able to do it. But I think, I think Jamon Brown, even though he's got a bit of an ankle and did practice today, I think uh, I think he's going to be a big part of helping that along. <coughs> he played well last week. I don't think sure he, was, he was in great, but he was. I think it was probably might have been the best game you saw out of one of their right guards yet this year. Honestly, uh, for that to happen in you, his first, <laughs> that's start, not a stretch, John. That's I'm, not a stretch. I'm, I'm aware. I graded him out to be an 86. That was my grade for him. An 86 is very solid. So to me, you know, he had that nice pickup on a stunt on that one play. So uh, that allowed Eli to throw the touchdown pass to Odell Beckham and hold the ball a second longer, which is amazing. When the quarterback has time to hold the ball and make an extra read, what can happen? Um, but, you know, we'll see. Um, a couple of numbers I want to throw out to you real quick just to give fans an idea of exactly how bad the Bucks' defense is. Oh, see, every um, time I do this about the opponent's defense, you kill me no, because you say, Paul, be careful. Hey, I'm just telling you what the Bucks are. I'm not telling you the Giants are going to score 30. Ow! I'm just telling you what the Bucks are. I tried to tell you what the Saints and the Falcons were, too, and look how that turned out. Oh, and I agreed with you, and then I said, well, I, the Giants the Giants had to prove to me they could take advantage of it the same way they got to prove this week they could take advantage of I it. I think they're so in better shape to do it than they were in those days. I think you're probably right, but just some numbers. Okay. Um, the reason the Bucks are so bad on defense, folks, Yes. first down, they're allowing a 128.7 opposing quarterback rating on first downs. Highest in the NFL. Mm-hmm. 6.7 yards allowed per first down. Not mm-hmm. good. Another number. Passes that travel 21 yards or more down the field. Opposing quarterbacks have a quarterback rating of 134.0. Highest in the National Football League. The Bucks have allowed 48 plays of 20 yards or more. Only one team... Has allowed more. Here's a couple other quick ones. 32 points per game. Worst in the league. 87.5% of the time opponents enter the red zone. They score touchdowns. I have never in my 12 years covering this team for the Giants seen a number that high. It's ridiculous. It's insane. The worst in the NFL. One interception all year. Fewest in the National Football League. No team has allowed more than their 35 touchdown drives. There's no reason, and again, I'm not telling you it's going to happen, because the Giants have to prove they can do it consistently and do it. But every opportunity should be there, assuming you can give the quarterback time for the Giants to score 30 points. And I'll leave it at that. Okay, now I'm going to ask you something that you probably don't know off the top of your head. What do you got? What do the what do the experts out of Nevada say? They're probably saying uh, two and a half. Okay, and and that should scare you folks because the Giants have so many numbers that work in their favor. Okay, as I have said many times against defenses of this nature, and said, oh, okay, come on now, Giants and, by one and a half now. Okay, by the way. honestly, you just read off. Well, I can read you the Bucks' offensive stats. Those are almost just as good. I, I understand. I understand. But but 
if the game is supposed to be controlled and won by defense, if that's the basic core of your philosophy, then the truth of the matter is this should not be a one and a half or two and a half point game. But of course, as the people in Nevada will tell you, there are suckers born every minute who will take you up on those offers whenever you get a chance. Well, here's the problem. And I think this is where the issue comes in for the Giants. We saw Nick Mullins last week. Yes. I'm not going to say move the ball with impunity. He did okay. He certainly moved the ball well against his Giants defense last week. You know what he does better, though, than Fitzpatrick? He gets rid of the ball quicker. No, he does. I agree. But then again, have the Giants really had that pass rush that's able to take advantage of quarterbacks holding the ball? Well, you know, I don't know that I agreed with Coach Sherman when he said the other day we've been getting more heat on the QB. Haven't got the sacks, but we've been getting more heat on the QB than, uh, than people think. And it's been effective. I don't know that I agree with that. Uh, I think I'd certainly like to get more. But he seemed rather, I don't know if satisfied is the word. I'm sure he would not like that word. I don't think he would no, either. He would not like that word. But he seemed to indicate that there was certainly some effectiveness in the pass rush. Uh, again, now, I'm, I will say this. I'm not necessarily on the same page with him on that one. Last week, the Niners didn't exactly do a lot of five-step drops. It was all play action, moving yeah. the pocket, all that sort of stuff, which is hard to get a pass rush on. So that is a mitigating factor, and that's the way Cal Shanahan operates. And that's why he's such a good offensive coordinator, to be quite honest no with doubt. you. He's really, really good. Um, he gave Mullins a chance. The Bucks will present a lot more pass rush opportunities. And I think one thing that's going to be tricky in this game with James Betcher that I'm curious to see how he handles it, Fitzpatrick statistically does not handle the blitz well. No. He doesn't. Yeah, I think uh, ESPN stats and information had a graphic up. He's one of the five or six worst quarterbacks in terms of um, quarterback quarterback rating versus the blitz. Jets fans know that. Absolutely. So can you blitz and risk putting a secondary that's not filled with a bunch of guys that I would consider, you know, super locked down one-on-one corners and send extra guys out to Fitzpatrick? Maybe they can do zone blitzes. Maybe they can do something like that. That, to me, is going to be a real interesting balance for Betcher when he decides how much he's going to be able to bring the heat with extra guys against Fitzpatrick if he can't get there with his front four or five. Yeah, I I think he's the guy who has the most headaches going into this game. Oh, absolutely. Well, him and, him and Landon Collins are having to cover O.J. Howard, which is not going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. You know, Landon Collins, uh, I'm a big fan. I don't make any bones about that. But uh, I will tell you, there have been too many times this year where I think he's been isolated in man-to-man downfield. And that's not his fault, okay, that, but that has happened. And he has not kept up with enough of guys on, on occasion to, uh, you know, to, to scare anybody. Um, well, and frankly, that's what we saw against the Bucks last year, if you remember. Yeah, remember the oh, end of that game with Cameron Braden and O.J. Howard? Oh, yeah, I know. I know. So, you know, offensive coordinators, believe it or not, as, as terrific a player as Landon Collins is, what they will do is say, is there a way we can get him isolated on a guy because we believe our fellow can beat him in a matchup? And I understand why they would feel that way. And it's up to the Giants to try to figure out ways to make sure those one-on-ones don't happen. Well, then I have an interesting quote for you. Were you there for Betcher's was press not. conference? I was not. I was doing some other production work. Can I read you a question in his answer? Please do. Here's the question, and then we'll get to your calls. This has been a nice conversation, by the way. I haven't hosted with you in a while. This is fun. <laughs> well, we're talking X's yes. and O's. So this is the question. Howard and Brate 
you're going to face a lot of really good tight ends in the last six games. After what Kittle did to you guys, I think, um, I forgot who asked the question. Kittle, after what Kittle did to you guys last week, where do you make adjustments so that tight ends don't become a problem for this defense? Good question. Sure. Here's the answer. One of the answers is Landon. I love the matchup with him on great tight ends. I really do. That's one thing he's built to do. I think it's not just on his plate, though. It's on the other guys. If we're bringing form or playing coverage, we've got to win some one-on-ones each and every week. We've got to get a little better. And at the end of the day, play fundamentally sound with better fundamentals, feet, and eyes. So, Paul, I think that's a little boost of confidence. I think he's going to trust Landon in those one-on-one situations based on what I'm seeing here. Something that I've always believed against uh, you could do against really good pass-catching tight ends, and when you have trouble covering these guys downfield— I go back to what the Giants used to do with Carl Banks. And again, I'm going old school. I'm going back to the 80s and Parcells. Hammer him at the line of scrimmage? That's it. It's hard to do that in today's NFL, though. You know how that goes. Well, but it works. Okay? You ask Carl Banks how many times these these higher quality catching tight ends. Brent Jones, anybody? did, Did jobs against the Giants. Usually, usually they held those guys in check because it was Carl Banks's job to basically sock those guys in the nose and make sure that they didn't get a free release. And I'm sorry, but until somebody proves to me otherwise that there's a better schematic, I'm going back to the to the Flintstones era, and I'm going to tell you, you chuck that, that tight end, jam him as hard as you can coming off the line of scrimmage, and don't give him a free release. And again, John, if you got a better idea, I'm open to listening to it. I don't. So that's we, what I would do. We have the injury report. What do you got? The Giants injury report is clean, right? Is empty. I remember the last time I saw that. Well, Pat Hanlon did say that uh, that uh, Jamon Brown is uh, nursing a bit of a sore ankle, but he practiced today, and he practiced in full according yes, to the report, which is why he would not be mm-hmm. on the on the report. And Al Ogletree ribs and Curtis Riley shoulder, Eli Penny back, Antonio Hamilton hip also practiced in full. The Buccaneers are a different story. Would you like to hear the guys that are being listed as out? Wow. Go to it. Vinny Curry, ankle. Justin Evans, toe. Ronald Jones, hamstring. MJ Stewart, foot. Levante David, knee. David is ruled out, not doubtful now. He's out. Out. Questionable, Chris Godwin, Ryan Jensen, and Carl Nassib. You know, they're three and six, and I I don't want to speak to the Buccaneers because I'm not at practice, so I can't tell you what their energy is, what their emotion mm-hmm. is, uh, how they feel about their coaching staff. And they seem to be playing, playing hard, hard, in fairness. It looked like, from looking at their game tape, that they're, they're still involved in the game. Yeah. It did look like that, but a lot of times you can't tell unless you're around a team on an everyday basis. No question. And we don't have a Buccaneers writer on to talk about this, but I will tell you this. And I do believe this, and I'm not giving you a bunch of smoke, folks, because I've been around some Giants teams that lost a lot of games, and they checked out. All right? Mm-hmm. I think you have, too. See last year. Okay. This Giants team has not checked out. They have not. No, I agree. And and that's a good thing, because if you get a team like Tampa coming up to the nasty Meadowlands, you know, I don't know. I think they're <laughs> forecasting about 40 degrees and some high winds, nasty, brisk, late November weather. Um this is usually the kind of situation where if you can get up on a team of this nature, especially one that is offensively top-heavy, you can take them out of a game. 
And look, their defense is struggle pull. They're losing their two best back seven players. Yes, Levante David and Justin Evans are their mm-hmm. two best back seven players. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe maybe Brett Grimes is in that mix too. In fairness, he's a solid veteran. He's been around a long time. He's been around a long time, but not the same player that he Curry's used to be. never lived up to his potential. No, and that was a. I'm not going to call it a bust of a free agent signing, but it hasn't worked out. And Carl Nassib's questionable, so that would be another one of the pass rushers um, who would start for Curry. I would imagine if since Curry can't go, um, that might not be able to play. So, boy. That is a rough injury report for the Bucks. Boy, the Giants better score some points, Paul. <laughs> they better score some points. I again, <laughs> they better look, score some I, points. I, I I don't I don't want to be the the jinx or the the guy who's going to put a hex on this whole thing. But when we talked right before the bye week and said coming out of the bye, the Giants have a chance to do some business because the schedule is sure. lighter than what it was in the first half of the season. I hate to say it, John, but it's really looking that way more and more every day. Like, they're going to have an opportunity to at least make a little bit of noise here. I mean, Chicago's good. They're first place. They'll be here in two weeks. And at filling out Washington is always tough. Well, but, yeah, but, but those San are division Fr- games but San anyway. San Francisco and Tampa, you know they're going to have a shot in those games. They won one. The Giants will try to win the next. Yeah. 201-939-4513. We want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Let's go to our buddy Antonio in Manhattan. He'll lead us off. Antonio, what's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you guys doing today? Doing well, buddy. What's up? Um, I hate to be this caller, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to be a little pragmatic. Um, so throughout the whole week, I've been hearing the show. You know, I've been able to call in, but I've been hearing the show, and I've been hearing people, you know, really positive about the Giants. But I want to start off first with this matchup. Let's talk about the, our defense. Okay. Our defense, if they stick to man coverage like they did against the 49ers, we're going to get blown out the water because Landon Collins is not going to be able to keep up with O.J. Howard or Cameron Bray. They're really good tight ends. And pretty much they have so much firepower on the field that on man coverage, it's just going to get really, really up. You know, Antonio, Antonio, you've caught a lot about this. I just want to let you know, I know it might look to you like man sometimes on TV with the way the coverage right. goes on. But the Giants play a ton of cover three, too. I mean, they're oh, not in man coverage no, all the time. They play they, but, more than 50% zone. But they're playing But they're playing, cover th- they're playing cover three, but they're playing a lot of single high safety two man coverage. That's what they're doing. Well, remember, cover three is single high. That's the thing. And it, No, it, but there's also single high one zone. The safety is out yeah, there. Yeah, cover three. one. That's cover one. Right. Has, right. So they're playing a lot of that. That's actually what I see the most. The two interceptions that B.J. Goodson had, those were both on zone coverage. So yeah. I appreciated that. I did see more yeah. zone. Yeah, but 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 here here's here's what here's my biggest problem with the Giants secondary and what they're doing. And and I I disagree with you. I I don't think they're going to play a ton of man against the Buccaneers. I don't I, think so either. To I, be I honest with you, no, I don't. I, so I mean, I think that assumption that they will is a bad idea. I don't think they're going to. That's the first I, thing I, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Second thing I want to say is this. What the Giants, I think, should do more of, and I'd like to see Betcher do more of it, but I understand his reluctance to, given the fact that there have been some some different parts back there. Obviously, Eli Apple is no longer here, uh, they've, right. so they've had to make some adjustments there with their nickel package. They've tried to work Chandler into the dime. They've worked in uh, Haley <laughs> in, into the nickel. Um, 
Curtis Riley, unfortunately, has busted, in my opinion, a bunch of assignments, especially mm-hmm. in zone. Don't forget Michael Thomas okay. in the three safety package last week, too. I now, Michael, Michael Thomas, I like him in the in the, the jumbo uh, nickel. Yeah, the big nickel. The mm-hmm. big nickel. The I big like nickel, him in the big, big nickel. nickel. Okay? I personally, if I was going to if I was gonna put somebody manned up on, on, on the tight end, it would be Thomas, to be perfectly honest with you. I wouldn't put Landon Collins on him. If I was going to go man, I'd go Thomas on O.J. Howard. But here's well, what I'm saying. Reason, here's the what I'm saying. You shouldn't do that, Paul. It's because then they see Thomas is going to be on the on the box, and then they're going to just run right at him, and they're going to smother him. Nah, Thomas is a pretty good tackler. Yeah, he is. He's physical. Yeah. He's a but physical he, player. The thing is, would he break? Would he get off a tackle? Not well, no, make probably a tackle, not. Would he break the tackle? Well, would he break the blocks? I mean, I mean, you got to give him some chances to make a play. I mean, at times right. he's going to get beat, at other times he's going to make the play. You got to have some yeah. confidence in the guy. But here, here's right. here's what. Getting back to my original point, what the Giants don't do often enough is show man at the beginning of the play, right. and then one of the techniques you can use is show man and then play zone. Now, how do you yeah. do that? I, I know I'm getting a little technical here for some of the folks out there, but it's important you understand this. Right. When you watch a play and you see a guy showing man coverage, if it's going to be a crossing route of any type, okay, the mm-hmm. second that that receiver crosses the nose of the defender and goes to the opposite side of the field, he needs right. to pass him off to the other defender on his other shoulder, okay? Right. That's what's known as handing off a defender, and it means you have started out in man and then gone into a zone coverage. And what that'll be, Paul, a lot of times that'll be show press man, and you bail into that cover three. Okay. Right. I'd mm-hmm. like to see the Giants do more of that. I don't think yeah. they do enough of it to suit me. That's simply right. my taste. Now, I'm not going to be critical of Betcher for not doing more of it. It would be <laughs> something I'd like to see more of, but I know he has his reasons why he doesn't do it. Part of the reason is they're not getting enough pressure. Another part of the reason is he doesn't necessarily believe that the guys in the back seven can get it right. Because the and truth they, is you've got to be really mentally on, on the game. If you're going to start passing guys off, boy, if you don't pass guys off and the other guy's not there to take them, guess what? Busted coverage, 50-yard touchdown. Okay. And based on that comment that John said that James Betcher made, it seems like he's not saying the scheme is the problem. It's the execution where guys are not getting to the quarterback. <laughs> and, yes, it could be true, but I also feel like we're just not in a very favorable scheme right now. Um, you know, there was, just, there was just too many plays where I saw all the, all the offensive plays in the 49ers had to do was run away from the Giants on crossing routes on different type of routes, and it was just, hey, run away from them, that's pretty much it, and it was too often. So I, I just – this game for, for against the Bucks, I want to see him in zone. I want to see him in that three safety package. I love Landon Collins in the box. I think that's where he should belong at all times. That's who, uh, And, you know, and I want to see I want to see Thomas back there. I, I would love to see some cover, too. You don't get that from the Giants a lot. Um, you know, what they do is sometimes they'll have, like, somebody a single high, and I'll give uh, Betcher this credit – They'll have somebody single high, and then Landon Collins kind of points at the guy like, hey, move to the side because I'm coming back up. And I appreciate that. That's actually pretty cool. I, I like what I'm seeing that this year. Um, and then one last thing I just want to talk about. Yeah, real fast. The offense. Yeah, real quick. So the 49ers made a lot, a lot of defensive mistakes. And if we don't get that from the Bucks, again, you guys are mentioning how the Bucks are the worst defense or one of the worst defenses. Yep. At the end of the day, we just haven't capitalized unless critical mistakes. 
Eli Manning, and I hate to bash Eli, but I'm going to do it again. He, he missed two deep balls, and he missed Odell empty. Uh, and then, Paul, you mentioned that he threw a back shoulder. He tried to throw a back shoulder fade to Saquon. I saw the tape. It wasn't a back shoulder fade. It was it was an arc ball. It was going to be a deep ball. He just inaccurate threw it. The Odell ball, he was on the 23-yard line. He threw a bomb. But it was just, you know, obviously he just threw it too late. Yeah, it was a bad throw. Odell ran it. It was, it was a, a bad throw. throw. The ball got throw. the ball got away from him. And on, on the on the Barkley play, away from him, though, because it got really far down the field. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, actually, Antonio. I'm not sure if you heard him. Odell talked about mm-hmm. that play he this did. week, and he said that was supposed to be a stutter go. Yep. But the yeah, way the, and 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 the way the defender played it, he goes, I really didn't hesitate as much as I should have. So then by the time Eli was done with that play action, and Antonio, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. By yeah, the time Eli no was done with that play action, he was so far down the field that it took a lot for Eli to get the ball down there. Look, he could have gotten it down there. He made a bad throw. It happens. Yeah. No, one, it, no one's going to argue that. He made no, a bad there's throw. There's no question. The, the Barkley play, though, and, and again, I, I want to make something real clear about the Barkley play. I think Eli's mistake was even allowing that ball <clears> to be anywhere in the vicinity. I, I Because if you looked at the route and the defender – there was no room to get that in there, John. He would have had to throw it over his outside shoulder. That was and, the only and, way the ball was And there was there. probably about two inches inside the mm-hmm. sideline for him to make that play. What, what Eli should have done, uh, in, instead of being criticized for being inaccurate and not getting the ball out there, what, he, what you could criticize him on is, why did you throw that ball into the third row, throw it out of bounds so that nobody could get it? Because Barkley was, was pinched up against the, si- against the sideline where there's no way you were going to complete that pass. So the criticism of Eli, to me, is actually awry. It's not, it, it, it's not the appropriate criticism on that play. Anyway. Yeah, I don't want to get into the weeds on that particular play a week later. But um, we could talk about that first. No, uh, he, he, has, he wanted no, to bring it up again. I know, I know, I know. I'm not saying it's your fault. I want to apologize to my cold, by the way, folks. I'm doing my best here. Um, I was out in... 30-degree weather and snow last Saturday, and then I'll have a chance to do it again this Saturday before the Bucks game. So I might not be able to talk on Monday. We'll find out. <laughs> Paul would love that, but I, I won't. And so my wife. 201-939-4513. Oh. Joe in Pennsylvania. Joe. Hey, hi, guys. Uh, hey, Joe. Um, first, I want to ask there the, the young quarterback that was suspended the first few games. Is he injured or just benched? What's uh, Winston? Yeah. Yeah, he's benched. Oh. Okay. Do you know why, well, Joe? He's benched because he threw, I think, 11 interceptions in three games. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> that's whatever, not good. But you never know. He can come in the game because, you know, the, the the Ivy League quarterback can do that, too, and he could no, that's he true. get benched, too. You know what I mean? So you, you just don't know who's going to be in yeah, there. Yeah, Joe, but, I agree. Uh, I don't think it's impossible that we see Winston in the second half if Fitzpatrick plays particularly poorly. I, well, don't, think, I, I don't think that's impossible. Well, they're three well, and six. They have to be desperate. Exactly. And the cutter's coaching for his job. Well, yeah. Well, he, he, he sure is going to get in there sometime again because I would think he's their future quarterback. And Joe, I never thought all. he was that good in the first place. I thought they were foolish to take him, and I think that's played out pretty well you so You know, Joe, far. the funny thing with Winston, and I, I, they do not have a decision yet on who's calling plays. Cutter called plays last week instead of Monken, which is weird because they were so good. Um, leading into that game, uh, they have not they have not announced who's calling plays this week. The funny thing about Winston Joe is that he's actually has a really good arm. He moves around well. He's fairly accurate. He just makes some of the worst decisions you will he, ever he won, see. He won quite a few games for him last year. Yeah, I that's believe. the thing. That's the thing. He'll look great for like three or four games, 
And then it's like the brain falls out of his head, and he just throws it to the other team too much. I I really believe Uh, last year was his high watermark. I don't think you're ever going to see development out of him. Just like I think you've already seen the best that Dak Prescott will will show you. He will never Uh, get better. Okay. Now, that that last game, the 49ers game, I I think that was our worst – defense uh, that was rushing against the Niners. I think the Niners had three to five seconds average back there to throw a pass. It it, it was bad. So, uh, now I think without Apple there, I think he's a little afraid he's not blitzing as much either. I, I do see that there. You covered a lot I was talking about, but that's what I'm very concerned about, you know, in covering the tight end. You just went through all that there. So, but uh, this would make my day if we could Beat the uh, Tampa Bay, and then the Eagles would be my Super Bowl here because I have to put up with all the fans <laughs> around here. That would make it for me to knock them out uh, out and put put a dagger in them because that would do it because they, they talk about us. Well, you know what I mean? Well, this is the only one because they're, they're down now and their announcers talk. Well, this is the only one I can mark up as a win. And it, it would make my Christmas and holiday into the next season. So I hope we can play a good game. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Joe. Always good to hear from you, pal. I haven't talked to Joe in a while. That Eagles game is in Philly, which is never a fun a fun place to go. Good luck. <laughs> so, Joe, <laughs> I, I hope they can take care of business for you, but that's a tough game. And it's not a great matchup with that defensive No, front. it's not. It's just not. It's just not. Jason Manhattan, he's up next. He's in from Australia. What's up, Jason? Oh, wow. Yeah, hi, guys. Hello. Um, yeah, traveling all the way from Sydney, Australia. Long-time listener, first-time caller, and I actually was at the game in San Francisco on Monday, and... Um, Wait a minute! Well, wait a minute! Wait a minute! You uh, went to the, like, you went to the game in San Francisco, and you're in New York now. Yeah, so what, what, back-to-back games. I'm I'm a huge fan. Uh, in wow! A season. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah, back-to-back games. I'm hoping I'm the Giants. Good luck charm. So <laughs> can, uh, can I ask what you do for a living? Uh, digital marketing manager for a tech startup back in Sydney. Well, so. Jason, let wow. me tell you. you First of all, I love the accent, and with this, and, and, and with this dedication, you have the floor. Say whatever you want. It's <laughs> all right you. Go ahead. ahead. Thanks, guys. So just a question is, we, uh, last week we persisted with the run game, even though Barkley was only getting one or two yards on some runs, and I think that really helped open up the passing game. And I'm just wondering why it, it's taken this long in the season to, to trust with persisting with the run game. Well, I'm, would not you, sure, I'm not sure, sure if you share those thoughts, but... We kind of talked curious. about that during the monologue beforehand, uh, earlier in the show. Those were purpose runs more than they were gaining yardage plays. And, and I really love that because I think purpose runs do an awful lot to set up what you're going to do later in the game, keeping defenses honest and keeping them off balance so that you have the ability to call other stuff in your playbook. I'm a big fan of purpose runs. I've always been. But unfortunately, because the Giants were unable to uh, put any confidence in the mixture of offensive lines that they were putting out on the field, they couldn't even run purpose runs earlier in the season. They felt hamstrung by trying to do it. But I think, now you tell me if I'm wrong, John, I really believe that they already are showing a tremendous amount of confidence in this particular five that it's playing on the offensive line. We saw it last week. They plugged Brown in right away, and immediately Shermer started shifting the balance of what they were doing. I need to see more. One game's not enough for me. 
Well, I think early signs, sure. I remember last week, too, Barkley's first two runs, I think, went for 37 yards, and his next 18 went for 30. or No, his first two runs went for 26 yards, and his next 18 went for, you know, 40. So I'm not going to go nuts about that, but I think the early signs are positive. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens this week. I think the fact they're playing the 49ers, um, and they're not a very good offensive team, they're not explosive, it allows you to play that way. I'm not sure you can play that way against the Niners if you're not getting production. Um, if they're continually in second and nine and second and eight into the second quarter and they've only scored six points, I think you're going to eventually have to start throwing the ball early. I, I think you have to. I, I would add this. If the Giants can continue what they did last week with the purposeful runs, it will be to their benefit next week in Philadelphia. Because Philly wants you to be one-dimensional. They want you to abandon the run game. And their run defense hasn't been as good this year either. No, it hasn't. Mm -hmm. So if the Giants can get that going again for the second week in a row, maybe John will start to believe. Okay? And I'll tell you what. Maybe the Eagles will be forced to believe yeah. if the Giants can then show that to them on consecutive games. Yeah, thanks, guys. That makes a lot of sense. And just one quick observation before I go. Sure. I, was, I was sitting a few rows back on the Giants' sideline on Monday night. And I think you said, Paul, the, the team was very positive and Odell was very encouraging to his teammates. He was. I just, yeah, I, I saw that as well. And, I, and I'm, so I'm confident going into this week, I think the team's in a good headspace. And so credit to Pat Shermer, uh, given where we're at in the season. And I want to say this too, Jason. If you're going to be sitting close to the field again, I'm not sure if you saw Paul in San Francisco. If you see a crazed, if you see a crazed man in a suit pacing the sidelines, that's Paul. <laughs> yell, I'm serious. Yell out to him. He'll come over. You guys can have a nice chat. Actually, yeah, I actually spotted Paul there. He's talking to one of the, the cameramen, the, the photographers. I think. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was it was a great atmosphere. Good good game to be at. So good luck. Good luck this weekend. Let's do it. Well, thank you so hey, much Jason, for supporting and, the club. And do me a favor, Jason. Stop by. We're doing, we're doing the pregame show live at MetLifeGate before the game. If you go going to the game, stop by, say hello. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do, guys. Appreciate you taking my call. Thanks, Jason. No Appreciate question. It. That's great stuff. All the way from Australia. That's outstanding. I love that. I'm a sucker for those accents, man. They're great <laughs> accents. They're great. I love them. I, you know, it's funny, John, because so I had gone up into the stands. I had some friends who, who had come down from the game from another part of California. And when I went to see them, a gentleman from London stopped me. Oh, nice. And he was at the game last year. When we went to the uh, to the to uh, what was the name? Was two years ago. Two years ago, right? Okay. What I was, was like, the name boy, that? it hasn't gone that fast. Has what it? Was, was it Tottingham? Uh, Twickenham. Twicking, Twickenham. Twickenham. We, we had gone there to play the Rams. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And the guy had gone to the game then, and this was his first trip, I guess, over to see the Giants nice. in the States. And he was just saying, "Oh, you know, I watch you all the time on Big Blue Kickoff," and he was he had the whole accent thing going. It was just kind of neat. Never expected to run into an English fellow. Or a, a Brit, I guess, right? The Brit is what they call them. Yeah, that, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Never expected to run into a Brit in San Francisco. Uh, Giants fan, nonetheless. Hey, and he had, he had an old-style Giants jacket hey, on. just remember, when we went to London and we did, of course, they didn't have, they brought the big guns for that. We got pushed to the side when they did big kickoff at the pub in London oh, two yeah. years ago. I remember that. There was a hell of a group of people there. And there were. There was a lot of fun. So... We have a good following, and you know we're, we we know the the people that we're talking to, folks, are generally not the people in the tri-state area. We have great listeners. Don't get me wrong; that yeah. are from New Jersey, New York City, and you know people within FAN's broadcast range. But you get a lot of giants if you're in New York City or in your New Jersey. You don't get a lot of giants if you're 
you know, somewhere else in the country and they're focusing on whatever the home team there is. Sure. Or if you're overseas, if you're in the military or, you know, you're, 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 you're transplanted or if you're somebody from overseas that likes American football. So uh, we like to be here for you and hopefully we give you the best coverage uh, possible here on Giants.com. We want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Chris and Alamucci is up next. Christopher? Hi, right, Paul. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Hello. Appreciate it. So uh, one of the one of the names I want to throw out, which we haven't seen as of late, which uh, you know might be a good uh, a good way to get him into the game this this Sunday, would be Connor Barwin with 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 a, with a need of a pass rush. What do you guys think the lack of playing time on his end? Um, and you think this Sunday maybe we see a little bit more of him, considering we we need we need that uh, we need to get to the quarterback. Well, right now that position's been split between Cream Martin, Connor Barwin, and Lorenzo Carter, and I think right. you want to give Carter as many snaps as possible to let him develop. Um, I think you'll probably. I think Barn right now is probably still a better pass rusher than Carter. Frankly, even though Carter's future is a pass rusher, I think he plays in space better than he does as a pass rusher right now yeah. because that's what he did in college. I really do, and I know that is not what they're looking for him to do, but I think he's better at that. Like reading those screen passes, getting guys on the swing passes out of the backfield, he's good at that. He carried uh, Breda, who's a four-four guy, across on a wheel route last yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good coverage. But he's, that, he's not there yet as a pass rusher. I'm with you. If you want to use Barn a little bit to rush the passer on third down, I'm fine with it. You know, the only thing right. I would say about Connor Barwin, and I, I love his work ethic. He's a terrific teammate. He certainly knows a lot about the game. He's been around forever. And when you watch him, he works his butt off on every single snap. Uh-huh. The problem is, most of the time when the Giants have him in the game, he's in that 3-4, that four, fourth lineman spot, okay, and he's going up against the tackle. And I hate to say it, John, but in most cases, he's physically mismatched. Size-wise, he has to use his quickness to win those. And and he's trying to. The problem is he's not a spring chicken anymore. Mm-hmm. And the quickness that he had when he was 26, 27, you know, where he was able to beat a 330-pound tackle, that's gone. So now he's in there, and he's working, and he's working, and he's working, and he's huffing, and he's puffing. And you watch him, and you say, oh, man, somebody give this guy a bone. You know, let him get that sack. And, and he just he doesn't seem to have that extra, that extra snap in his rush that can get past guys who are physically much bigger than he is, and they dominate him. And I feel bad for him because, again, he's done everything you could ask, but the production is just not what you need it to be. Yeah, I'm sorry. And, you know, uh, maybe, I mean, maybe come fourth quarter, Giants do have uh, a lead, you know. But those offensive linemen are a little winded themselves, and maybe Barwin could could make some headway going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and by the way, Chris, we're back and, and, and get him. I think that's another big factor. If you don't have leads, a guy like right. Barwin's less useful because if he's yes. your pass rusher. If you're not up and teams don't have to pass, then when are you using him exactly? So I think that's a big part of it too. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm 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 not going to tell you I know the numbers on this on the snap counts. But you want I last just weeks. I can give you no, last no, no, weeks. no. In terms of uh, how many times he gets picked up by a tight end, oh, yeah, and know. how many times he gets picked up by a tackle. Well, I'm sure it's a tackle most and, of the time. And I have to tell yeah. you, it is. It's almost always a tackle. So he is consistently working his butt off, spinning his wheels against a guy who is bigger, stronger, and more powerful than he is. And you know, again. I'd I'd love it if he could get in there and get a couple because he works so hard. I'd like to see him reap some fruit. Uh, off of his, his hard effort. But uh, the thing the thing I also want to mention here, too, <laughs> is that Lorenzo Carter is a budding star. I think he's going to be really good, John. 
I'm, Willie, yeah. I, I got to see more as a passer. Yeah, I, I, I agree. With, I agree with you, Paul, on that too. Uh, last, last question, guys, or comment. Um, considering the, with I think it's Justin Evans, the safety, he may be out with that toe injury. Andrew Adams, who, who obviously was with the Giants, may be in his place. Uh, you know, we're talking about how how the uh, the Buccaneers can put up all the yardage, and and we're having a difficult time as as usual covering tight ends. I mean, I, I really feel like Evan Ingram. This could be a game where where he could put up some numbers, considering they're going to be uh, down a man at safety, and that defense is. Uh, I mean, we've seen it before, but and we keep saying, uh, you know, we got we got to get him more involved or get 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 take advantage of uh, you know with our tight end. Do you guys feel like, as, as well, besides Barkley, that uh, Evan Ingram's going to play a bigger role this game? I absolutely could see that. No question. For all the reasons you just mentioned, I could definitely see that. All right. Hope so. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate the call. All right. Bye-bye. 201-939-4513. I'm trying to get some snap counts here for you, Paul, um, over the course of the year for those three guys, just to kind of give everybody a feel. Uh-huh for what their snap counts I mean, are. the truth is, whether or not we agree on the upside for Carter, we both know he's going to get better, and the more snaps he oh, gets, of course. it's to the Giants' uh, benefit. Yeah, for, he, need, you know. he needs to work on pass rush technique. He right. doesn't He doesn't really have that many moves right now. No, no. That's the thing. No, he doesn't. But he's a freakish athlete, so his potential is through the roof. Whether or not he gets there as a football player to match the athleticism, that's, I think, what we're waiting to see. I'll tell you what. In in all my years of covering the Giants, I don't know that I've ever seen an outside linebacker who has his physical skill set. He's very unique. His length, his athleticism, his pliability, his speed, his quickness. I mean, the, the only guy I could even think of might be Brad Van Pelt. Van Pelt was a former safety coming out of Michigan well, State. When he got to the Giants, he became an outside linebacker. Obviously, Lawrence Taylor, I mean. With the speed well, and Lawrence, and Lawrence doesn't count, though, because he was Superman. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, he's Superman. Exactly. I, yeah, I don't count Lawrence. Okay, that's fine. Put him aside. he's not a regular player. Okay, good. <laughs> Lawrence, was, Lawrence was the GOAT. Greatest ever played, played the game. That's different. Right. I'm talking about a regular linebacker now. I, I honestly can't remember anybody with the physical skill set, the tools that Lorenzo Carter has. Now, whether you know or not who, he could apply them is another story. You know who I put in there? Because I think he would play Carter's position in Betcher's defense? O.C. Well, he was a an end. He wasn't a backer. What would he play in Betcher's defense? Oh, you think, oh, oh. You'd be a stand-up, you think, huh? I do. Don't you? He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't a big guy. Yeah, he probably would be. Although O.C. was still... O.C. was about 265, 270 when yeah. he played. And he wasn't as long as Carter, but he was quicker. And Car- Carter's, what do they list What do they list Carter at? They list Carter at about 235? They got Carter at uh, 250. That much? Mm-hmm. Man, he's... And, and, oh, he's 6'5", you know he's tall, remember. That's the thing. He's built so well, yeah. mm-hmm. he doesn't look like he's carrying 250. Correct. That's what I'm saying. I think that would be your closest comparison. Wow, might be. Anyway, the point yeah. is, mm-hmm. he really has such a rare toolbox. Yeah. I'm I'm just so excited by it, and I and I really really hope that they can develop his game to the max. All right, so here's Carter. He has um, 254 snaps this year. Yep, 76 against the run, 162 rushing the passer. <clears throat> pardon me, and 16 in coverage. Let's see if I could find Connor Barwin. He has 229 snaps, 91 in rush defense, 132 rushing the passer. 
and six in pass defense. And then uh, Cream Warren's going to have more because he played for Vernon as a full-time right. starter when right. Vernon was out. So Yeah, that wouldn't be fair to look no. at his numbers. So that's what they are, just to give you an idea. And Carter, according to Pro Football Focus, along with his two sacks, he has four quarterback hits and seven quarterback hurries. And that's what they have him for. 201-939-4513. We got five minutes to go. I think we have two callers on the line, and we'll get to both of okay. you. Okay. Let's go to Jeff in Rhode Island. He's been holding the longest. Hey, Jeffrey, long time no speak. Hey, hi, fellas. How Hello. you doing? Uh, I'd like to wish everybody there and you two, you two guys, of course, a uh, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, you too. Thank you. you too, Jeff. Enjoy the turkey. Yeah, we got all, oh, absolutely. No two ways about that. Um, I got just uh, three, three quickies for you. Uh, I haven't seen Dave Gettleman on video. I'm kind of wondering how you know how he's feeling. And he's, um, Jeff, he's also, doing he's doing as well as can be expected. Um, he, okay. he's, he, he's, he's he's doing very very well. His last scans were clean. Yes, they told him he's in complete remission, and uh, he's now just got to go for the regular follow ups whenever those follow ups are scheduled for. Right. And I mean, it's all good. He always has high energy. I promise you that. Oh, yep. that's good. That's a very good thing to hear. And, uh, you know, how's uh, a kid, uh, Beal, doing uh, with his uh, shoulder surgery rehab? He's rehabbing. Uh, I mean, yeah. he, he isn't in a sling anymore, if that does anything for you. Um, yeah. Other than that, you know, he's not really doing much yet. So I think that'll be something we'll have to talk about in March when the guys come yeah. out. He uh, does come out to practice every day to watch. He okay. does do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, okay. they're trying to keep him as involved as possible. Yeah. I see. And, uh, you know, given... Um, Given the uh, lack of our pass rush uh, this year, uh, how about uh, anybody? Uh, what's his name there? Uh, I can't really think of his name right now. He's on. Uh, he's on the practice squad. Avery Moss. You think we're going to see him uh, get any reps or uh, any part of the rotation? Shermer was asking about him the other day. Actually, I just talked to Avery today, and and yeah. and I yeah. asked him if they'd given you any hints or inclination about maybe bringing you up to the fifty-three. And Avery said he didn't know, but he did say that uh, they've been very pleased with his practices so far. They're almost using this, uh, Jeff, as a healing year for him. He had a pretty serious hip surgery last year. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think they don't want to bring him up to the roster until they think that he can be the best version of himself. Um, I think there's a decent shot. We'll see him by the end of the year. Um, But I don't think there's a guarantee there either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I if mean, they could get a look at him in December, I think they'll try. I'm to be 100. percent so. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, uh, enjoy your holiday next week. I don't think I'll be able to get through, so okay. uh, I'll try anyway. Though. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> you Jeff. Too. Always a pleasure, okay. buddy. He, he intrigues me, John, because that's another guy who has a, a pretty impressive skill set. Moss. I got a bad feeling about this. Hallelujah. Losing his mind. Mr. Illness. He wasn't right in the hat. Enough jokes. Oh, I boy. am happy. You're a madman. And here we go. Charlie announced on Twitter this afternoon that he's running for Senate in Maine in two years. <laughs> really? That's right. Good day. Good day, mate. Charlie's running on is... the Charlie's running on the seldom heard of Will Beatty ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the, the only question is, is are we going to be wannabes or wallabies? That's that's the question. Uh, very clever, Charlie. <laughs> you might want to go back to the drawing board on that one. Yeah, I know. Well, that's where my, that's our Australian uh, mate out there in Australian land. Yes, the Outback. Anyway. I'm aware. Thank you. <laughs> Stick hey, to the Boston uh, accent, Charlie. It's what you're good at. It's okay. <laughs> 
Hey, I got a couple of things. One thing is Fitzpatrick has played in MetLife Stadium. Yes. He's, yeah. He knows the wind. Yes. He's played in that atmosphere before. So that I don't think that's going to affect him. The thing with Fitzpatrick is he's streaky. Yes. If he gets, if he gets yeah. on a streak, he can hit 14 in a row. Yep. He gets a momentum going. And he also can do this. He can run out of the pocket. Yeah, he can. And he can make a play. And, you know, that's what I'm most worried about, that we can't let this guy get on a streak. Because if he doesn't get on a streak, then he's going to be a bum the whole game, basically. So we got to do it quick and fast, because the last game, he, he his uh, completion rate was like 70%. And, uh, you know, so we got to be aware of that. Charlie, the other thing that I, Charlie real yeah, quick, I want you to listen very carefully, because I'm about to say yeah. something that I think Paul and I agree with. And we don't say it often to you, so I want you to focus. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Now you can continue. <laughs> Mark this down. You, you left day, out the streak that says he could also throw three picks in a quarter. Exactly. That's the, that's the Fitzpatrick I hope is playing uh, this Sunday. And the other thing I brought it up to, uh, to Jeff and Lance yesterday is I don't understand why they're putting Collins on a linebacker when his best skill set is – being in the box and tackling. Maybe not a and, tight Riley, end. and Riley's best skill set, yeah. he's a cover guy. He was a cornerback, and he can't tackle. Why don't you put Riley on the tight end? Nah, see, Charlie, and, here's the trick. Here's the trick. If you're playing in the box as a box safety and the team passes the ball, you have to play man-on-man on the tight end because you're at the line of scrimmage. Who else is he going to cover? No, but I'm saying they, they should make Riley. You know, Betcher was saying, oh, I'm comfortable with Collins. No, but, no, but Charlie, if you do that, then Riley's in the box, and he can't tackle. And Collins is playing deep safety where you don't want him. So you can't have Collins in the box and not have him cover tight ends. Those two jobs are one and the same. Well, then, then I would put Riley in the box, but make sure he covers tight ends. You know, that's his assignment, covering knee tight ends. You know, wait, not, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Charlie, you're confusing two assignments. If right. Riley's in the box, okay, yeah. he's got to help fill a gap and run support. Yep. He can't cover the tight end because the tight end will run him out of the box, therefore lessening your run support. You're, you're, confusing, right. two, you're confusing two assignments here. You can't have him do both at the same time. Well, no, I don't want him to do both. All I want him to do is when they line up, and right. we need to cover a tight end. Okay. Put Riley on the tight end, not Collins. Okay, That's but what I'm saying. wait, so so then where do you want Collins to play? I want Collins <laughs> to be there when where Riley used to be when he misses the tackle every so time. So you want to play That's Collins, Collins deep. Collins to be. So you want That's the thing, huh? Charlie, you don't want to play Collins deep, though. The further you get Landon Collins away from the line of scrimmage, the less effective he is. Well, because the less options you have to use him. And that's yeah. that's not what you want to do as coordinator. You want to give Collins the most opportunity to make a play on defense. And again, by putting him in that position near the line of scrimmage, part of those responsibilities is covering the tight end. It goes one and one with that. Oh, uh, well, that's... Well, you can't do that. That's when we get in trouble. All right, so, Charlie, Charlie. End. But see, this is why if you play a man and then swap to zone when you're passing guys off. That's right. why that's why I think you would like that concept because yeah. now now maybe Collins could then start out covering the tight end 
And then as the tight end starts running out, now he passes him off to yeah. somebody else, and then Collins stays at home. Obviously, I was referencing when the team's in man defense. If you're in zone, obviously he's not covering the tight end man on man, obviously. I mean, right. look, here, here's, here's the thing I want you to remember, too. Riley, all right, in addition to not being a very sound tackler, okay, there have been a yep. number of times this year when he's been back there and he hasn't provided the, the support that he was supposed to to the corners. Rough angles. Yes. So so right now, I hate to say this, but I don't know where my confidence lies in terms of what I would ask him to do and then have a tremendous amount of belief that he's going to be able to take care of it. He's, well, he's a very, to me, he's, he's a shaky player right now. I don't, well, I I don't know that, what I can count I mean, on. We have to have him. If we have well, to have him in there, I know. Don't you think his? If, don't you think his skills are better covering than they are tackling? And don't you think Collins' skills is better tackling and not covering? Well, that's what I'm trying. Logically, to say. yes, yes. But the truth is, for all of Riley's coverage ability as a guy who's played corner in this league, there have been too many times in the backfield. John just said it. He has taken bad angles. And for a guy who's got coverage ability and who's played corner before, that should not be. Yeah, well, I know. But the thing is, usually his bad angles is when he's trying to tackle somebody, not when he's No, he takes somebody. bad angles on the ball in flight as well. It's both, yeah. Hey, Charlie, yeah. Do, me, do me a favor. I heard your phone ring. Sure. I think that's your super pack trying to get you set up for 2020. <laughs> so why don't you take that call, and we'll talk to you next week, all right? Hey, I'll, I'll keep you posted on my campaign. Oh, will you do. Sh- you sure that's not Will Beatty looking for a job? Mr. Illness in 2020. <laughs> See you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. All right, guys. Appreciate the call. His big campaign focus will, of course, be on mental health. Um, we want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. I'm sorry, Paul. No, no. Ju- just in signing off, uh, as yeah. we wrap up that phone call, we had a call the other day on the show you want to hear, John. The guy asked, well, why, why didn't they keep Adams, who now, by the way, happens to be playing for the Buccaneers. And barely playing. And, and, and the only thing we could tell him was that, that Adams was another strong in the box safety. Correct. And he played Landon Collins' position when he was at his best. Correct. Well, therefore, you don't pair him with Collins because now you're going to be slow afoot and to do the kinds of things that Betcher wants to do in his scheme with that opposite safety, Adams really physically did not have the tools that, that applied. That doesn't mean he's not uh, an NFL-caliber player. We certainly know that he can play in this league. There's no question about that. And I think both of us had him Both of us had him on our 53, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I, and, yeah. and quite frankly, you know, I, I, I thought that Darian Thompson was going to work out, and he went in the wrong direction. It just didn't happen for him. Another guy that had a problem tackling. He did. He did. And, and, you know, so Curtis Riley wound up winning the spot. Now, the, I would think the Giants are going to try to upgrade that spot during the offseason. I'd be very surprised if they didn't. I feel like Riley won that spot because of what he was doing pre-snap almost as much or more as what he was doing post. He would line people up well. He would be in the right spot at the right time uh-huh. pre-snap. Yeah, but there's no question. Once guys start moving, that's when it gets tough. And I think that's when he's had some of his issues this year. So they didn't really have a bona fide, guaranteed, free safety producer uh, because Adams was a strong safety, Riley was a converted corner, and Thompson was a free safety who was actually very quiet last year in terms of production. So the the choice is there. William Gay even tried to play some uh, free safety during camp, John, and that didn't work out oh, well they either. rolled five or six different guys into the spot. They tried. No yeah. one stepped up and took the job, except, and for, except Lan- for Riley. Lance's guy, Michael Thomas, is also a strong safety more than a free safety. 
So what do you do? Gut feeling for Sunday? I like the Giants. I really do. Give me a score range. Uh, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go 31-23 Giants. I'm back and forth. Um, I think it's gonna be something like 34-31, somewhere in that area. I think it's gonna be over 60 points scored in the game. Now what the heck? <laughs> Giants 33-31. How about that? Okay. They kick four field goals. I'd like it to be a little bit more uh, spread out than that so that I don't have to have a stomach problem. Oh, I like watching Paul get agit. It's fun. He comes up after the game, his shoulders are drooped, and he's like, John, I don't feel good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Thank say, you, Paul. Say goodbye. We'll see you on Monday. Enjoy the game on Sunday, everybody. Adios.